three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Happy Father's Day. Uh, Well, it will be Monday by the time you hear this, but this is your humble host, Hunter. This is The Real Pineapple. And uh, guys, I've got a... uh, I'm going to see if I can keep it kind of short, but we'll see. I've got a review here for Dark Phoenix, which is the final, yes, the final X-Men film under the 20th Century Fox moniker because now the mouse <laughs> owns X Men again. Thank goodness, and this is it for the whole uh, X Men uh, as we've known it. Uh, this is it. This is the last one before they become part of the MCU. So this is what I'll say. As a kid, and I really don't think uh, it's going to sound totally you know like old man me yelling them off my porch, but. Uh, but you kids don't, sorry, <clears throat> you kids don't know how good you have. There you go, it's a little more old person. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, though, uh, a lot of you guys, you don't know how good you had it, uh, have it now. I remember back, back in my day, uh, when comic book movies weren't, you know, you weren't getting two a year or four a year, hell, like we seem to commonly get now. You used to only get a comic book film maybe once every two or three years. Uh, this started with the original X-Men back in 2000, uh, directed by uh, Brian Singer. And then, of course, you know, uh, X2, uh, X-Men United, its sequel back in uh, uh, 2003. Uh, the original films, of course, sir, uh, starred Sir Patrick Stewart, Sir Ian McKellen. I will always and forever be grateful to those two incredible actors Uh true amazing thespians uh in their craft uh it's kind of crazy to think about between all the x-men films so talking about x-men x2 last stand origin first class wolverine days future past deadpool apocalypse logan deadpool 2 dark phoenix and new mutants which might come out next year the way it's going it's a 1.67 billion dollar budget between all those films uh, the box office it's made five point nine two billion. So I mean the movies have done well. I mean it's crazy to think that uh, about the budget versus the uh, the box office. It's pretty crazy to think about. But these has always been films that are frustrating for me, especially as a fan. If you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know my very first comic book I ever picked up and read was an X Men comic. It was something that immediately caught my attention and made me go oh my god i love these characters uh already uh to in case you haven't heard uh my very first uh x-men comic was through pizza hut because pizza hut was doing a x-men promotion i want to say for the animated series uh the fox animated series which if you have not seen buy on amazon uh through prime video it's well worth owning but uh, it was a promotion through Pizza Hut. And it was like, you collect all five. I remember they went to the Savage Land. And I think they uh, they fought uh, fought Magneto, Mr. Sinister, if memory serves. You know, it's been forever, so don't hold me to that. But I remember watching those going, oh my god, this is so, these are so freaking awesome. Um, 
so uh, so I've got a lot invested in these movies. So looking at just how inconsistent they've been, I think X Men X Two are absolutely wonderful. Last Stand sucks. X Men Origins Wolverine sucks. X Men First Class. I still stand by the fact it is the best X Men team up film that they have done. Still, uh, then you get the Wolverine, which, while it's not Logan, it's a very nice precursor to what Logan would end up being, and it's way better than Last Stand, or, or way better than Origins Wolverine. Uh, you got Days of Future Past, while you know, admittedly, I don't love Days of Future Past like a lot of people do. I've got a lot of issues with it. It's still a really good movie. Uh, of course, Deadpool is Deadpool. It's fucking awesome. Apocalypse, as you guys know, if you've listened, uh, I'm not a fan of Apocalypse. I think it's a terrible movie. Uh, that's something that I've definitely argued with people about. Deadpool 2, of course, is great. Logan is great. And that brings us to Dark Phoenix, which I just gotta say, guys, this is written and directed by Simon Kinberg, who... His a pretty damn impressive resume. He's a pro- executive producer on Deadpool 2. He uh, was a producer on Murder on the Orient Express, producer on Logan. He was a producer on Deadpool, uh, producer on The Martian. Uh, but then when we get into screenwriting stuff, that's where it does get a little uh, spotty. Uh, he was a screenwriter on Triple X State of the Union starring Ice Cube, which is not a good movie. He was a screenwriter on uh, Jumper, that movie of uh, Anakin Skywalker and uh, Samuel Jackson where he looks like a snow cone. Uh, <laughs> why was he a screenwriter on that? He was a screenwriter on Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which... I know some people like really enjoy that. I think it's okay, so fine. He was a screenwriter on This Means War, that really terrible Chris Pine, Tom Hardy movie. Uh, screenwriter on Days of Future Past, which, again, had mixed results for me. Screenwriter on Fantastic Four Reboot, which was absolute dog shit. Screenwriter on X-Men Apocalypse, dog shit again. And now screenwriter, producer, and director on Dark Phoenix, which is... You know, it's all on him if this movie's good or bad. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, this is not a good movie, no no matter how you slice it. Now, I've seen some people who've said it's worse than uh, X3, The Last Stand. It's not worse than X3, but you, you know what? We'll revisit that. I, I might have just talked myself into how it's better, but or it's, it's worse. But um, all, all this is on Kimberg, you know, he's the one who said, give me a shot to direct this, you know, I know these characters, that was his big kind of push, is I know these characters better than anyone, uh, you know, let me get a chance to go ahead and kind of bring this home, and look, I think this is going to be hard for people's stomach anyway, because, you know, this is it, this is the end of this shit, until these characters are in the MCU, we're not going to see the X-Men again, so... It's really hard to be even emotionally invested in kind of where this movie goes. So the movie starts off basically in uh, in space. The X-Men, after uh, saving the world from Apocalypse, and I'll, I'll get to how that kind of wrapped up. They're now rock stars, basically. They're, I wouldn't say the Avengers, but yeah, I guess kind of they, they are kind of this, you know, universe's Avengers. They go, uh, they get home from the space mission and... Uh, you know, there's legions of kids, just, uh, you know, legions, get it? Uh, there's legions of kids there with fans, uh, signs, and, oh my god, like, I love Nightcrawler signs. There's a girl, they pan in on very uh, in- intentionally, showing her holding a Mystique figure, like, I love Mystique. It, it's it's very, 
it's very obvious that there aren't kids there, that there aren't mutants there, that this was done in post, and that, you know, they told these kids, get excited! It, it, it's very awkward. But uh, the X-Men go up into space, and five minutes in this movie, I whisper over, <laughs> and Alea will tell you, they, uh, na- na- the, some astronauts get caught up in space, they're on a spaceship, they need to be rescued, so... Uh, Charles Xavier, of course, played by James McAvoy, he's got the X-Men phone, which is a little weird that the president would have a direct phone line for the X-Men, considering he didn't like mutants that long ago, but whatever. Uh, he has the X-Phone, he calls Xavier, like, hey, can you go save our, uh, our NASA team? He goes, yeah, absolutely. So, they go up into the Blackbird to go and go into space. But at no point in any of these movies have they established that the X-Men or that the Blackbird is strong enough or good enough to get into space. So much so that uh, Quicksilver, I want to say, no, not Quicksilver, um, I'm blanking on the character that says it. I want to say it's maybe Cyclops who goes, uh, uh, Mystique, played by Jennifer Lawrence, of course, goes, oh, does anyone have any questions? We're going to space, getting the uh, getting the astronauts home, and someone raises their hand and goes, well, I've got, like, a thousand questions, and she goes, there's no time for that. And my first thought was, yeah, you're going into space. What about the cabin pressure? What about being able to, I don't know, fucking breathe? Uh, <laughs> there are several questions that you should ask before you go into space. So that's a very tough pill to swallow, admittedly, and we're, you know, ten minutes into the movie. So they go into space, save the astronauts, which I will say in a pretty cool sequence because you get to see Nightcrawler really use his powers in a way you didn't get to see him use them in Apocalypse. Uh, he goes into the uh, he goes in the spaceship, gets the astronauts with help from Quicksilver, but the sonic blast goes ahead and hits the ship while Jean is there. Uh, played by Sophie Turner, trying to go ahead and uh, hold the ship together. That's how she, quote, gets the Phoenix Force, even though she had at the end of Apocalypse, which they don't address here, but whatever. So, going down the list here, Sophie Turner. I've watched very little Game of Thrones. I can only assume she's better in Game of Thrones, because I thought she was flat as hell in this movie. Um, and this was my big fear when we, uh, we talked about this... Uh, uh, we've talked about this on other podcasts, is the fact, or other reviews. The fact is, we are technically two films into this reboot of the of the main uh, cast after Days of Future Past. It's way too fucking early to do the Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix storyline, because we don't even know who Jean Grey is, independent of really her powers. We don't know her as a person. Uh, it's really frustrating how the movie tries to just shove this down your throat and go, well, you need to accept this. As an X-Men fan, fan I'm going, well, the X- the Dark Phoenix saga was so important and was so groundbreaking, breaking, good grief, uh, for X-Men because it took this character that, let's be real, it was kind of like a, a, another Sue Storm. She was very vanilla, kind of milquetoast. They didn't really go ahead and address Jean really anyway. She was basically the telepath who could be in the field because Xavier can't be and she happens to be dating Cyclops. If you go back and you read the Dark Phoenix storyline, it's really her power, quote unquote, is really a giant metaphor for her, just uh, her sexuality. It really is about her not being so vanilla sexually, having that interaction with the Hellfire Club, you know, dressing leather and stuff, and then becoming a more powerful, sensual woman by the end of it. That's really what the storyline is. 
Now, of course, Fox won't go there because Fox hates women. But 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 you could at least touch on that a little bit. But they don't even really address it at all. They don't even show Sophie Turner as a phoenix really even being as confident as I feel like she should be. It feels like it's more this tug of war uh, for Jean's. Uh, for Jean's soul, but I don't even really feel like that's portrayed well enough because I don't know Jean well enough as a character independent from the Phoenix to really be invested in her struggle. So that was a huge problem for me with this film. Um, the guy who plays Cyclops, um, we, we've we talked about this too on, on other reviews. Cyclops got done, has been done really dirty in these movies. They have not developed him. They have not made him seem like the badass leader that he can be. Um, it's really fucking frustrating, to be completely honest, as a fan of uh, the character. Uh, but Ty Sheridan, God bless him. I thought he was the one who was probably trying the most in this movie. Uh, he does a really great job, I thought, with this. He... He cares about Jean. You can tell that despite the very little screen time they've given the two of them, he cares about Jean. He cares about her so fucking much. And so when she's being torn apart and tortured, really, by the Phoenix, you feel bad for him because he just wants her to come home. He drops this line about how he says, you know, come back to me, Jean. You know, you always said you'd come back to me. And I actually remember whispering over Leia going, oh, I'm kind of buying this. Like, it's it, it's kind of hacky writing, but he is selling this more than it has any right to be sold. So I really appreciate him in this. And he gets the honor of also dropping the film's one F-bomb because it is PG-13. You get one F-bomb. So he tells uh, Magneto at a point, you know, you 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 kill you try to kill her i'll i'll fucking kill you i was like oh okay like potty mouth cyclops but it's it's a pretty cool moment for him and he gets to actually use his mutant power a little more on this side which i went oh all right that's cool i know people are going to ask about evan peters uh I, I i've seen a little bit of him on american horror story he's really great on there i think he's a great quicksilver he's barely in this movie he's in the movie for the first space mission and then they kind of get away from him. And then when Jean kind of goes off uh, with a story beat where she ends up back at her old childhood home, he gets to show up there. And then that's really it because uh, he gets injured in that fight. And that's all you really get. It's kind of a bummer to be completely honest with you. Um, James McAvoy... Uh, <sighs> James McAvoy is always so great in everything, and I think he's a great Xavier. My biggest complaint about Xavier in this movie is the bottom line that they make Xavier seem so selfish in this movie. It's kind of mind-boggling, to be completely honest, because it is similar to Xavier's arc in The Last Stand, where you find out that Gene had gotten too powerful, and that he put up these psychic walls to basically kind of encompass her mind and kind of keep you know, have a system of checks and balances uh, because the Phoenix would come out during their uh, counseling sessions, which admittedly is a little bit of a, you know, a, a bit of a tough pill to swallow considering Gene's personality, but whatever. Here, they go a different route, which I actually liked more, where basically Gene, uh, as, as, as a young kid, she's maybe eight or nine, uh, 
kills her parents accidentally because she's messing with the radio dial. Which, by the way, her mom kind of freaks out on her and goes, Gene, are you messing with the dial? And she's like, it's not my fault. I'm not trying to. And this mom apparently wanted to hear her own music because she just, like, turns and looks at Gene for about a minute going, like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And I'm looking over, and I whisper over to Alea, I'm like, watch the fucking road. You're going to get hit by something. And, of course, they are right into a truck, and the car flips. I went, well, why were you? Why weren't you watching the road? <laughs> this is kind of what you get. So you feel bad, but it's, it, the parents are being kind of stupid. Uh, so... This time around, Xavier goes ahead and puts these psychic, kind of these mental breaks, these barriers up because of Jean's trauma that, you know, she thinks that she maybe killed her, uh, that she killed her parents, inadvertently, of course. And you come to find out that the dad survived, but that he d didn't want anything to do with Jean. He was like, she's weird, uh, fuck it, you know, I, I don't want her. And... Xavier does a really good job of saying, look, you know, I have a school here that I can go ahead. I can figure out uh, her mutant powers. I can help her. And the dad, you know, he acquiesces. And it's it's really actually kind of sweet because Jean as a kid, when she's talking to Xavier, is saying, you know, I'm broken. I'm broken. And he goes, I can't fix you because there's nothing wrong with you. And that was one of the few times I went, you know what? Okay, movie like that. I like I, I like that. Okay. Um, Michael Fassbender as, uh, Eric Leshner, uh, Magneto, of course, he seems so over this shit. Like, even when he's trying to be menacing, he just seems tired. He just looks like he just wants to take a nap. It's really the, what, the first time in these movies that I thought, that I thought, you know what? Okay. Like, he actually just doesn't care. But to be honest with you, it's maybe an uh, it's maybe 45 minutes, 50 minutes in before we get any Magneto, so he's not in it a whole lot until Gene shows up at his kind of gun pound, uh, or uh, compound, pardon me, and basically goes, hey, you know, protect me, I need protection. Uh, I said that I'd basically give this movie a, <laughs> a D- minus if they killed Mystique, and I will say Jennifer Lawrence... I apologize because I thought she didn't give a shit in Apocalypse. She cares even less in this movie. She is so over being Mystique and putting that makeup on and playing this character. She could not give less of a damn this movie. And it shows throughout her whole performance. And to be completely honest, I think it really in in infects other, other cast members. Because Evan Peters, I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, well... I'm not going to play Quicksilver over again. Can you just write me off really early on? I wouldn't be surprised that happened. He doesn't even take place in the uh, in the final battle, actually, that I'm sitting here thinking about it. Uh, he's basically wasted. Nightcrawler, again, while he gets that cool scene in space, um, his powers really aren't on display much, especially in the third act, which is very frustrating. Uh, Nicholas Holt's Beast. He really comes across kind of a douchebag in this movie. He's preaching to Charles like there's no tomorrow about how you killed Raven. This is your fault. And my first thought was, oh, maybe the fact that she went ahead and was trying to kill humans when, you know, she shouldn't have been. Maybe that was kind of part of her fault. Maybe the fact that she left the X-Men in the first place and wasn't trying to help actually build this world up, trying to destroy it because humans are bad or maybe that was part of it. Uh... 
I I never felt bad for Beast about losing uh, Raven. I just it really came across to me like he was very self entitled and not thinking about the big picture, and it really frustrated me because I love uh, Beast in these movies, and I think Nicholas Holt's a great fucking actor, but he came across as really quite a uh, quite a douchebag here. It seems like everyone is just busting Xavier's chops, and just as a fan of the character and how McAvoy plays him, there's this scene where Raven comes in. Uh, I want to say she's out of makeup. Yeah, no, she's uh, she's she's Raven. She's not mistaking the scene, but she comes in talking to Xavier. Goes, oh, you know, like when was the last time you sacrificed anything? You know, we're the ones out in the field. And I'm sitting there thinking, you're saying this to a man in a fucking wheelchair. Like, where the fuck do you get off? And she goes, oh, I can't remember the last time you sacrificed anything. Uh, I don't know. My legs might <laughs> might count in this in this scenario. And she drops one of the worst lines I've heard in any of the X-Men films. She goes, yeah, it seems like the women are always saving the men around here. If anything, you should start calling this X-Women. And I just, <laughs> I groaned out loud. I was like, cool, I'm dropping you half a grade for that line alone. It, it beyond irritated me. I just went, oh my fucking God, really? This is where we're going with this. Um... It's such a cringeworthy line. Also, when you think about the fact that she did nothing in the opening scene where they saved these astronauts, and you think about Apocalypse, where Quicksilver saved her from the X-Mansion uh, when it was blowing up, and yet none of that's brought up. So, yes, clearly the man is just fucking terrible and lazy, but whatever. And the last thing I will touch on, I will touch really quickly here on Alexandra's ship. I'm going to tell you right now, I hate Alexander Ship. Uh, her performances as Storm have left much to be desired. I don't understand how she's so bad at playing Storm and how she just has no charisma at all. The next actress they get to play Storm by default will have to be better because she is just so fucking bad. And I don't understand how she's so bad at playing Storm. Uh, Halle Berry was no, you know, was no Oscar. Well, she did win an Oscar, but she was no, she wasn't amazing as Storm. But damn, she was better than this. Uh, Alexander Ship, it comes across like she's beneath playing Storm. Like she should be, you know, playing better roles. And my first thought is, nah, you should actually be very grateful you get a chance to play Storm. And the fact you keep fucking it up is really frustrating to me. Um,. Storm barely gets anything to do. She barely fucking flies, which that's one of her best powers, but she barely uses it, so whatever. Um, which brings me to Jessica Chastain. So apparently a lot of her stuff was cut. I understand that. But Jessica Chastain, she has never gotten an easier check than she's gotten in this movie. It is amazing how little she is trying and how little she just gives a shit. But then again... I really feel like no one gave a shit about this. And when you know there's nothing else coming down the pipeline, it's kind of hard to give a shit, to be fair. But Jessica Chastain, though, I mean, I loved her in Molly's Game. I loved her in Miss Sloan, uh, Crimson Peak, Martian, uh, Interstellar. There's so many things. Zero Dark Thirty, of course. There's so many things I actually like her in that I was really confused when I'm sitting there watching her in this going, how are you just so flat? And she ends up playing this alien who wants to get the Phoenix Force, uh, Phoenix Force back. And their whole way of playing aliens is like, oh, 
let's just be really boring and very, you know, emotionless, and that passes as being, uh, being an alien. It, it doesn't come across like that at all. It just comes across her being very lazy, not wanting to put anything into this role. Uh, and then, honestly, too, and I didn't even bring this up until because I just thought about it. There is a big uh, fight scene, uh, the, the, the last third of the movie. There's this fight scene on a train. And while the train scene, I, I thought there were some points watching it. I went, okay, this is actually kind of badass. Uh there is a there is a mutant in this movie who has a mutant power where he has mutant hair and he just tie people up in his hair and hit him with it, and it is most there. It, it is so right there on the same wavelength as something like Killer Croc getting BET at the end of Suicide Squad. It's just a are you fucking kidding me? Really? That's what you went with? It's so maddeningly frustrating how they decided to put that in there. I just went why. Why is this in here? Uh, wrapping up here, this movie, it, it ends in a way where... <sighs> so, Xavier quits the X-Men, which, fine. Him and Fastbender, uh, uh, Magneto, they end up playing a game of chess. I want to say they're in, like, uh, he's in Paris, or uh, I want to say it's Paris. Um, that was kind of a cool way to end it, just with them playing chess, you know, if you go back to the original 2000 X-Men, I, I, I did like that little tie-up there, uh, why he didn't seek out, uh, McTaggart really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but whatever, um, Raven is killed, which, Leia would tell you again, I stood up in the theater and cheered, I was so happy, I was like, thank God that, that, that bitch is gone, uh, the one thing I did like is that Beast ends up taking over the school. I thought that was actually a pretty nice touch. I was like, you know what? Okay. I at least like that. And the, the biggest thing about the school, though, that just that killed me is that they renamed the school the Jean Grey School for, uh, for gifted youngsters. They take away the Xavier School for gifted youngsters. And my first thought was, you ungrateful sons of bitches. Xavier brought all of you here and you just take his name off the school the moment he leaves. Where do you get off? Jean Grey killed one of your members of your team and brutally injured Quicksilver. But nope, let's name the school after uh, I just thought that was fucking absurd. And it's really frustrating too when you think about the fact that this was the last X-Men film under the Fox moniker and they really had a responsibility to do better than what they did and they didn't. They were like, nope, we're good. We can just reach for, you know, reach, but only so high. Uh, I actually like this less than Last Stand and the reason why is because Simon Kinberg, he was a writer on The Last Stand. He should have known better. He said that he knew these characters and how to get this right. Motherfucker, you lied to me because apparently you don't. It This is just as bad because the template is there on a bad X-Men film. And the fact that you couldn't improve leaps and bounds above Last Stand, that makes it just as bad as Last Stand for me, to be completely frank. So my final thoughts here, um, there's a couple action scenes I thought were well handled. Um, Sophie Turner does have a scene with Cyclops kind of early on when she first gets possessed that I went, that was kind of well done. Uh, where Xavier ends up, I liked, uh, along with Magneto. 
there's a couple things here that are that are good, but the, the the overall film it's just so disappointing, and they keep just stopping and going with some of the pacing, and it's just kind of maddening. So leaving the theater, I was pretty upset to 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 be completely honest. I saw this at an early matinee. I wouldn't even pay for it at that price, and even renting this, I think I'd be mad. So I, I'm gonna give this a D. And honestly, my grade might drop uh, as we go through our worst stuff uh, at the end of the year. Because this might end up on my worst stuff. Like, I, I really did not like this at all. And it's quite frustrating that uh, that some people are defending this. Which, why? Why would you defend this movie? But, whatever. So, yeah. It's all D for me. But, uh, yeah. God. I, I can't wait till Marvel reboots this and does it better that is one thing i will say too marvel is playing with house money they, they can pre they could fuck it up again if they honestly wanted to but people will probably go well at least it's not as bad as apocalypse or dark phoenix but whatever so guys have you seen dark phoenix let us know what you thought in the comments below you can go ahead and like us on facebook at the real pineapple you can go ahead and follow yours truly on the twitter at j hunter real pineapple you can go ahead and follow scott on twitter at nearman the first Inkfall Colin on Twitter at the real that's R E E L O'Neill. Uh, guys, and then you can go ahead and subscribe to us and uh, go ahead and like, share, subscribe. We are on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podbean, and Spotify at the real pineapple. And guys, please do not forget to go ahead and follow our uh, go ahead and follow our sponsor at Instagram. That's Stat Guys. That's S T A D T. G-E-I-S-T Studio for all your custom jewelry needs and go ahead and use that code REALP that's R-E-E-L-P 2019 for 10% off your order. You guys are welcome. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll have a review up this weekend for Toy Story 4. God, I hope that's good. And uh, guys, thank you. Oh, and actually we're going to start our uh, Spider-Man uh, film series review uh, leading up to Spider-Man Far From Home. I'm going to review Spider-Man 1, 1 and 2 and the, uh, re-review The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Uh, we just reviewed Spider-Man 3 a couple months ago on this channel, so you can go ahead and uh, find that there. Uh, it's a damn good review. But uh, guys, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, and uh, you guys have a great week. Take care.